Good evening, friends. I feel very humble and called to have a person like Brother Clark here to tell, say such a, an honorable introduction. And I certainly can repay that compliment and say it's mutually felt. I have met some mighty fine men, but I don't believe I ever met a nicer, humbler, better brother than our brother Clark. I'm so glad to know that this fine host of people here in this city and around about has a, a pastor here like Brother Parton and a very fine brother. And I'm sure the other day when we suggested to have this closing service on Sunday afternoon so that every pastor could have his, his own service that night, and Brother Parton so humbly said that's just, that's just fine. I'm sure that's appreciated by every pastor and, and every member of every other church. Besides the Christian, isn't it? That's right to do that. I'm sure all the pastors appreciate that. Hoping someday that God willing that we can get back up in this country with the tent so we can stay longer and have a good long service. I have come to you, brother, with difficulty because I come to you real tired. This is the longest I've went for the last six to seven years without a break of rest. This is four months constantly from one service to another. And then it's made it awfully hard. My throat's weak and tired, and I've got two more services yet before I have any, any rest. I haven't been able to speak very much or preach much on the Word, just merely a little testimony or something, and go ahead. You've rallied around it wonderfully, and I do appreciate it. You don't know how I appreciate each and every one of you. And I realize that an audience of this size, if I should come back a year from now, for some of you won't be here. If I'm here... Some of you won't be. Somebody will go. Maybe some of you young folks might be in an accident. Go meet Lord. And maybe it'll be some of you elderly people that's not lived your life up. Some sick person. I don't know. Maybe I'll go. I don't know. That all lays in the hand of God. But if I would come back of this many people, I'm sure somebody will be gone. This will be our last time to see each other on earth. And I'm so happy to know that our last meeting like this, that you have come and have rallied around the Word of God that I have preached to you from the Bible. And I'm so glad to know that Brother uh, Parton here has, uh, am I saying that name right this time, Parton? Uh, he uh, was brother in the introduction he gave me the other night over at the church. He said when he read the book, he wondered sometime if I would come. Well, I was to come to the church, not to an auditorium, to the church. And that's something I seldom held a heating meeting in a church because of the congestion. But I've always thought this, friends. We even know one another talk heart to heart with each other a while, don't we? Just for the closing this afternoon. I've always tried to do this. Never think, usually, when a man gets just a little blessing from God, the first thing you know, he'll go to think he's a little bigger than somebody else. And when you do that, you're on your road out. No matter how little the place is, I go to little churches, sometimes I won't even feed over a dozen people, little missions, preach just as hard as they would in a big auditorium. But what difference does it make? The church is where we're gathered together. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together, in my name, I'll be there. And we come, who knows? You remember the conversion of Dwight Moody, I believe it was, when the old washwoman had washed all week and passed out her tracks in the early Methodist days. And no one would receive them, throw them on the ground. And walked by and thought they were holy rollers and so forth. And 
She'd rent an old livery stable, cleaned it out, put her old wash bench down there. Little old boy come by with his daddy's suspenders on. Hair hanging down his face. Said, woman, what are you passing out to the tracks, honey? Give it to him. When a preacher come to preach that night, you know who was there? The old woman and the little boy. The preacher was a gallant old man. Glory today. He preached that sermon just like it was burning on his heart. Made his altar call to one pupil, the little boy. I don't think it was Moody. I'm sorry. I can't think. It either. It might have been Smith. Whatever it was, sent nearly a million souls to Christ when he knelt at the altar that night. He didn't know who. You don't know what you're doing. Sometimes it's a little places. You're doing something for God. We're working for one big cause, the kingdom of God. And that's for all people to work for that end. I noticed, too, when I first started, and I knew there'd be a lot hooked up with this, and there's nobody on the field in that day, and me being a Baptist and coming out amongst the full gospel people, I realized what it was going to be. And there were three things that I noticed in the Bible always done to minister. And one of them was money. The other was popularity and women. So I know that Saul fell because of popularity, Balaam because of money, and Samson because of women. So then I know those three things was a hindrance that we must always keep covered up. And money, of course, would be the, the greatest. And are trying to think you're just a little better than somebody else. I, I've tried, Christian friends. Tried my best. But God's grace, I can say with his grace, all of us been in the background. You pray that I can keep it that way. I never touched money. I suppose that the Billy told me a few minutes ago, said, Daddy, I think you touched the upper love all this. That wasn't necessary. Didn't have to do that. I never come for that purpose. God knows that. No, sir. And I'm a poor man. Could have been a multi-millionaire. Many of you know that I gave at one time one million five hundred thousand dollars at one time. When the agents brought it to me, I refused to look at their order. I said, no, sir, I wouldn't put my hand on it. He said, oh, my. I said, but this man's worth $28 million. He owns the big Mission Bell winery and all. I said, I don't care what he owns, sir. My father owns the cattle of every hill, and he, I, I don't have any need of the money. And he said, well, uh, we just seen your mother's home, and yours here is the parson. He said, you could use this. I said, yes, if when I need it, father will send it to me, but I, I don't need it now. And I refuse to look at it. A million five hundred thousand dollars in one office. I'd rather take fifty cents or a dime from so and so and so and so and let everybody have a part in it and it'll take a big lot of money. Heartache, trouble, and then you think, well, it's just too much the curse of the love of it. And I, I was born poor, raised poor, my people are poor, I want to die poor. The only thing I want to have when I die is favor with God. That's all I want. I brought nothing into this world that certainly take nothing out. That's true. So what we get in the line of God is the only thing we can take with us. So if you ever want to pray for me, it's not to have money, not to have big homes or be popular, but just pray that I can stay in the hands of Christ, mold, pray that he can mold me and use me in any way that he sees fit to do it. I'll pray the same thing for you, as you'll be the same way. Now perhaps pretty soon I'll be braising the front of Africa, different parts of the world again. I always ask this at my meeting. Things are going hard. And you can imagine how they go sometimes. You'll never know, Christian friends. No, you'll never know what it is, a life of this kind. 
Some of you may think it's all flowers. You don't have the least idea, my dear brother or sister. I wish I could swap my position today, if it be pleasing to God, for some minister who'd come to preach the gospel and walk out and make his altar call instead of having to go into this. Well, you don't know what it is. But that was my life. That's what I had to do. A few years ago, when I left on my first trip, my little girl, Rebecca, was the marking of my going out. I was gone six months before return. I just go from place to place. I stayed eight days and nights and never left the platform. I said, I'll pray for all of them or die here trying. But you know you're trying. There's more to end than there was when I started. The prayer line constantly going all the time. Thousands and thousands coming through the prayer line. They bring me orange juice. I'd sleep, put my head up against the pool, sit and sleep, and start the prayer line again. They'd stay right there with them. They'd stay right in and rain and everything, waiting. When I got home, my little girl didn't know me. I was a stranger. She said, her mother had been showing her my picture. But when I come home, I'd lost my hair. My face was wrinkled, drawn up. I'd lost about 25 pounds of weight. That wasn't her daddy. But I like to kill him. Well, I know my own child of mine. Well, I switched into three in the city. But I know him. I want him to stay on that day. You've done the best you could, so it'll be all right, as long as that's all right. Some woman said to me not long ago, she'd followed several meetings and tried to get in at different places to be prayed for, poor thing. Finally, she got in and she was prayed for. When she saw her leave, she just broke down and started weeping. So brother and I asked some questions. I said, sure, sister. She said, when do you ever get any rest? This is about four o'clock in the morning. So when do you ever get any rest? Look at that group of people that are still waiting. I said, Sister, when I cross over on the other side, that's when I want to get me. Here, we can't rest here. The sun's are setting. Souls are to be saved. Something's to be done. If it's to ever be done, it's got to be done right now. I believe that. And I, I want you to pray for me. That God will keep me so that he can use me. I want him to say, whenever he wants something, you say, I got a servant I can put my trust in. He'll do what I tell him to do. That's what I want to do. And you don't know how I look around and think of the sick folks. Look around, see these gray-headed men sitting here and winning. Wish I had time to give you my view on what's going to happen to me someday out of the Bible. If I can prove it to you, you're going back to young men and women again. But when I see you where you are and see some of you sick, my bad sick, heart trouble, and that's number one killer. A crippled person, I've noticed, I'm so glad the cops and things are entered up at night, but you see a crippled person, they might live an ordinary life like that. It's awfully hard, sure. But a man with heart trouble has got to have something done right away or he could die. See, the man may have a good heart and good lungs, is crippled. He'll live, but this other fellow's got to have something done immediately. He's going to die. Two birth or cancer, that's the thing, that's the killer. Cripple doesn't kill you. The damn thing is what kills you. When I think, what could I do for the person? What's my best approach? What, what can I do? Then that gets me. The only thing I can do is, is to buy a gift 
If I know me coming down, get each one of them on and hugging and, and praying with him, get down on the floor, or take a quarter and lay it on the floor and push it with my nose all the way over these cities and back. I try. I sure would. That wouldn't be any good. The main thing is to get faith up here in Christ. And the little humble gift that he has given me is to bring your faith up to meet that. I hope you always understand that. And maybe if you don't understand, just pray, and I'm sure he'll let you know it. Thanks to you for the offering. That, that was right, wasn't it? Thank you, Brother Party. I sure appreciate it. To you and all you members, all you people, the members of the body of Christ, I do. I'm not worthy of your offering. That's right. But I had an awful expense. My office and home runs $100 a day right there where I'm preaching tonight. $100 a day. I have no income at all. No sponsor of any denomination. Nothing at all. Under, no underwriting. Nothing. Just a free will offering to people saying you give me. And sometimes I go hundreds of dollars in the red. And then maybe I get a good big love offering somewhere of four, five, six hundred dollars, maybe a thousand, two thousand. I haven't got as much as five thousand in an offering. What I do, I go to my secretary and say, how much do we need? Say, well, Billy, we're about fifteen hundred in the red. And I say, well, go pay it off. Now, how much is it going to take to run until we get this other? And it'll take another five hundred to run until you go to this next week. Well, then the rest of it, put it in foreign missions. So I know. Then when it's got enough build up there, enough momentum build up, I can go overseas and preach them poor little naked, starving heathens and things and see them led to Christ. Then I know I'm a, a steward of God's money, and I've got to give an account for what I do with it. And I know then it isn't given out to some something to be rolled around and taken on safari trips and things like that. I know it's gone, gone to the kingdom of God. That's right. And then when I answer, it'll be the best that I know how to do it because I take the money and preach the gospel with it to the heathen. And I know you're right there. Every missionary is always right. Going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's general order. So you're always right. And I'll assure you this, friend. Every penny, some of you mothers and dads, got little kiddies and things, I hope you didn't hurt yourself in doing that. I hope you didn't. And I pray that it'll return to you a hundredfold. And then I'll assure you that every penny will be put the best of my knowledge to the kingdom of God. I got children to feed. I got a home to be taken care of and things to do. But everything outside of that, I'll put it back to the kingdom of God to the best of my knowledge. And thank you for your confidence to believe that I did. And the Lord bless you. Some more handkerchiefs are here to be prayed over. Just remember, write me any time. The night never gets too dark or the rain never falls too hard. Well, I'm ready to do for you what I can do. So you just write me at any time. Ask for a cloth or a, a contact by telephone somewhere where I could get to it and pray for you. I couldn't come to your home because unless I'm, the Holy Spirit would give a vision. I'm constantly on the move with that all the time. But you say I'd come to your home. You can imagine how many... We was estimating the other day that we've come in personal contact with over 10 million. So you can imagine what that would be. So you couldn't hardly make a statement. It'd be just, I would like to do it, but I just can't. And I'm sure you, you good people understand that. Hope to be back with you again sometime. Now... Thank you again. If I, and I want to comment the ushers, the musicians, the lady who plays the piano here, and all for all you all you've done. You're just been real nice. Thank you.
If you pastors, you cooperating pastors, God bless you. All of you get your hearts together now, and let's come back again and all be together and have a great big meeting. All of you Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, full gospel, four square, all of you, let's be together. We're going to be together up there, so let's get together down here and work for the Lord together. Don't you think that's right? Yes. Let us speak to him now while we pray for the hand of Dear Heavenly Father, God is a looking here in even a little automobile, a little toy of some child. Oh, God. Poor little fellow. Maybe he didn't have a handkerchief, but thought if I'd pray over his little toy while he was praying and playing with it, he would be healed. Will you grant it, Lord? With the depths of my soul, I ask you to hear my prayer. There's little packages and parcels. They're going to those who are needy. Oh, God, look there. Please, God, grant that every one of them will be touched by your power divine. They'll get just what they're asking for. Maybe as some of them are at home, they're fixing to break up. Satan separating mother and dad. Oh, God, come to them quickly. Put your arms around them, Father, and let them know that in the Garden of Eden you made a helpmate for a man, husband and wife become one. Don't let it happen. Bless all these things. Grant the glory out of all, Father. We ask in Jesus' name, thy Son. Amen. Gypsy Smith once said, they took up a love offering for him one time, and he said it, it was a lovely big offering. It was in London, England, I think. Maybe down at Royal George Hall, somebody's holding his knee. And he said after it was all over, when he started to leave that night, there's a little ragged girl standing on the back of the steps. So, Mr. Smith, I didn't get to give you my love offering with the rest of them, because I couldn't get in. But I thought maybe I'd just give you my love offering here. And he said, thank you, honey. And he was coming in, and he opened it up as a little paper. Had a little note on there. Auntie, give me this lollipop about two weeks ago, and my daddy was saved in a meeting from being a drunkard. And this is my offering. This is instead of all the money that people giving, didn't mean anything like that. That poor little ragged child. That's all she had. She thought maybe he could enjoy the lollipop or have a child somewhere. The simplicity of children teaches us a lot of things, doesn't it? Just how simple? You seldom see God turn one down. You just can't. They come so simple. That's the way we should be. You're so nice I could talk to you all evening, but I got 600 and something miles to drive right now. As soon as this is over. To get back to Charlotte to begin next Wednesday night. Pray. And the brother, uh, I believe it's the Fox Theater up there. Come up and see. We'd be glad to have you to come up. I want to try to bring my wife and little Joseph back. We never get a, my two little children. Three I had. Billy was from another mother that gone on to glory many, many years ago when I was a young Baptist minister. And I've been both daddy and mother to him, and we've been chums together, and he sticks with me, goes around, helps me, and a lot to me and pray for him too 
ten years I was single, and I remarried again, and I had three children, two little girls, little Rebecca, Sarah, and Joseph. If there's any, if there's any credit to be given to the Branham family, give it to Mrs. Branham. Thirty-seven years old, completely gray-headed, she stood between me and the public for these years. The buffer at the door, everywhere, were a lot of even fanatics and things that could come up with the time to curse and say, if we don't do so-and-so, the poor little fellow's so nervous, she can hardly sit along. I'm going to try to bring her out because there's such a lovely people here in Carolina. I want her to meet you and you to meet her. We take the little girl out of school next week, God willing, to bring her along for the time. Now, to speak to you just a little from the word, if you'll pardon it, we have prayed for the sick. Always remember, friends, that I say this, and I take it to, on record, and you see these recorders are going on. Watching what he said. A vision does not heal you. A vision is what God is showing to build your faith to a place to accept the finished work of Christ at Calvary. How many know that? Now, how many thoroughly understand it? There's nothing I have to heal you or the vision won't heal you. Now, a vision will come to build a person. A lot of times I see they're going to die. I never say nothing. Maybe just the Lord bless you and go on. I say it that way. So that, you know, even if death has been pronounced upon a human being, sometimes prayer can change that. Did you know that? The Bible said so. Well, it did happen. Hezekiah was laying sick in the prophet Isaiah. He was the prophet of God. Went up and told him he was going to die. He wasn't coming off the bed. So Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and wept bitterly. Listen to his prayer. Lord, I beseech thee to consider me. I've walked before you with a perfect heart. That's the way to pray. I walked before you with a perfect heart. God spared him. How embarrassed that prophet was to go back taking back all his sin. He went back and said, God heard your prayer. Now listen, who is the greatest man in the nation? The king. But why didn't he speak to the king? And if the king was speaking face to face with Jehovah, the conversation was between the king, or the king was speaking to Jehovah, why didn't Jehovah speak right back to the king? Because he's the highest man in the nation, and the uh, king of the greatest nation in the world. And they're the greatest king of heaven. The king of kings was speaking back to the king, or the king of the earth was talking to the king of heaven, and then he goes back and sends his prophet back around. Strange, isn't it? See? Uh, you probably won't forgive me for holding you like this. But I want to show you something, friends. Excuse me for saying that. Explain something to you. God has certain ways to work. How many understand that? Say amen. All right. God has certain ways to work. And you've got to work according to his way of working. See? You can't go your way and your thoughts. and You've got to go his way. Now, listen to this. Let me give you a little illustration. Here's a, a crop over on this hill, and it's just burning up for water. Can you hear me? A crop on this hill are burning up for water. And over on this hill, you own both hills, and over here's an artesian well just spurting up water and going to waste. Now, what if you stand out there and say, I want this water to come over on my crop? Water, I command you to go around that crop. Water, I command you to go around that crop. It'll never go over. Certainly not. But there is a law of gravitation. Now, you can get that water over here if you work it the right way, if you work according to the laws of gravitation. 
you can bring that water around that mountain and throw it around on this side and irrigate that whole crop. Is that right? They stand out there screaming, water come over here, water come over here, it won't do it. But if you work according to the laws of gravitation, you get your water over there. But you've got to work according to the laws of gravitation. Now, Benjamin Franklin once said that there's enough electricity in the room to blow it up if uh, the heat and so forth was separated and uh, the heat from the coal making the lightning or the electric. Now, what if you stood out in the middle of one of these great big woods some night out here on the mountain and you were saying, Oh, electricity, I'm lost out here. I can't see a thing. You're here, electricity. I know you're here. So all you electricity, come on, light up the way and make me a way out. The electricity is there. That's true. But you don't get it that way. You have to work according to the laws of electricity. Is that right? If that electricity is brought down, run through a generator, out to a light, it'll light the way to show you out. But you've got to work according to the laws of electricity. The same way it is by God. Here's a sick man dying. The doctor can do more for him. But he just can't it. Hey, Jesus, I want you to come and heal me. Say, I'm going to do this. That won't work. You've got to work according to the laws of the Spirit. That's right. See, you've got to work according to God's laws. Now, I'm going to read some out of his word. And then we're going to speak on the word for a few minutes and have prayer service for the sick. And St. John 14. And beginning with the fifth verse, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me but by uh, to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father. It'll suffice. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. May the Lord add his blessings to the word. I'm going to speak this afternoon for the next 20 minutes or so forth on show us the Father and it'll satisfy. Now, if God is such a great person, why can't we see him? Is that right? Now, we're going to see if I can make God, bring God rather, to your, so you'll be sure to see him right here this afternoon. Would you rejoice in it? Now, if God's such a great person, why can't we see him? If he's the maker of the human being, why can't we see him? And Philip said, you know, show us the Father and it'll satisfy. Now, I'm going to take four ways of seeing God, which we could take a hundred, but let's go take four ways and hurry right to him and see if we can't see God. Now, we're going to speak of God in his universe. God in his word, God in his son, God in his people. And now let's see if we can see God. Now, it's many times it's been said that no man could see God at any time. The Bible said so. But the only begotten of the Father has declared him. Philip here was very inquisitive. He wanted to see the Father. He said, I've been so long with you, Philip, you don't know me. 
So when you see me, you see my Father. In other words, you see the Father express himself through the Son. Him and the Father were one in the sense that his Father was dwelling in him, not him doing the work. He was the Son himself, the immortal, virgin-born Son of God. And then in him was dwelling the God the Father, expressing himself to the world, his attitude towards the people. See? Well, that's how Christ and God were one. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now, he said, when you see me, you see the Father. And what do you say show us the Father? Now, let's look at God in his universe. We take the great cycle of the world. Did you know no man up to this day or no science can prove what makes this world turn the way it's turning? Did you ever try, they have many times, to swing a ball into the air and make it whirl and it won't stay in the same category? It'll be slowing up or speeding up. It'll never stand the same one split second on the same turning because it's whirled by a certain motion. But this world is turning so perfectly that even they can tell you when the moon and star and sun will go into eclipse 20 years away. That's perfect. There isn't a piece of machinery in your automobile or no other piece of machinery anywhere will operate that perfectly. They can tell you the very minute, 20 and 30 years away, when the sun will go into the eclipse. Time it by the regulation of its turning. How wonderful. How it sits there. And I said, what is gravitation? No one knows. It's something that's turning it. They don't know why it's a turning, but it's perfectly turned. If it would move just a little bit towards the world, it would burn up. If it went a little bit away from the world, it would freeze up. But it stays just perfectly, and the summer and the winter and the seasons come perfectly. That shows there's a mastermind behind it. It has to be. Here some time ago, I was talking to an infidel. I was in Colorado. We were going back across the mountain, and I was walking along, trailing along an elk. And he rode up and on his horse, and he said, Hello, and I said, How did you, sir? And he said, Where are you going? I said, I'm going back to see uh, the ranger sends me back to a, a camp back here, the cow camp, back to the top of the hill, he said, to follow this, this trail. He said, What are you doing? I said, Trailing an elk. He said, I don't want to lie, tell you you're a liar, but you're trailing a cow. I said, I've hunted enough to know the difference between an elk and a cow. And he said, uh, elk don't have a foot like that, or a cow don't have a foot like that. It's an elk track. He got out and looked at it again and said, well, maybe you were right. He said, you hunted before? I said, a little bit. He said, where are you from? I said, Indiana. What's your occupation? I said, a game warden. He said, you're not even welcome in the country. Real rough, hard boy. I said, well, I'm here anyhow. I said, Bob Steele sent me back here, which is... They had a state game commission. I'm back there to hunt a grizzly bear. And he said, there's no grizzlies back there. I said, he said there was. I'll take his word for it. So he said, can you ride? I had to be careful when he came in that. And I said, oh, I said, I rode a little bit. And I said, I'm no rider, though. He said, think you can ride this horse? I said, yes, I would jump on. He said, and you're a game warden. I said, not of this country, because I know right then he was a violator. So I said, not of this country, of Indiana. And he said, well... I said, I have got nothing to do with your laws here. I'm just back here. It's a courtesy. I'm hunting this bear. And he said, uh, well, he said, I don't see the bears back there. And I said, well, we'll know more about that when we're hunting. And he said, uh, 
get a pretty good wage? And I said, no, not much. I said, see, Reese, I'm a game warden. I said, I do that for my occupation, uh, for a living, but I am a minister. He said, oh, what? And I said, a preacher? He said, you look too intelligent for that. And I said, well, I'll say that's the most intelligent thing that I know about. And he said, uh, now, you believe that virgin birth? And I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to tell you the first place I'm an infidel. And I said, well, that's nothing to brag about. And he said, uh, well, he said, uh, I said, I don't mean to get back at you. I'm riding your horse. But I said, I just want to tell you, tell you this thing, that you're a fallen brother, and you're, you should be straightened out. So you straighten me then. You straighten me on the virgin birth, I'll accept it. He said, I don't believe there's one word of the truth. I said, you don't? Know, no, sir, it's against all scientific proof. I said, what books have you read? He'd read Darwin's, Ethics of Darwin, and so forth. I said, yeah, but you haven't read the right book. Well, I've read the Bible, too. I said, well, you don't believe it? He said, look, preacher, after about an hour's discussion, he said, there's not a possible way in the world for that to be. He said, it's against all scientific. I said, you'll never know God by science. You know God by faith. And he said, it's against all scientific rules. He said, look, there has to be actual a contact between male and female, even to corn and to a fruit and everything else, the bees packing the pile and everything, said it has to be. Said it has to be. Said it just simply can't be. I said, well, you were telling me how the world out here, how the sun and the moon clicked off the teeth of one another and it was spun out here. Where did, and how the first man was a sponge and he become a monkey and so forth. All that, I said, I, all those things, there's, you have to believe that by book. And I just, I, I, I got faith enough to believe that. I just believe what God said the truth. And he said, uh, I said, uh, and you don't believe that that could be a virgin birth? He said, no. The first place I don't even believe is anything to make it a virgin birth. I said, Almighty God, the Creator, said, I don't even believe in one. I said, well, then you're in an awful shape, sure enough. I said, I want to ask you something. Yes, you know, Mama always told me, the old saying, give the cow enough rope, she'll hang herself, and that's right. So I want to ask you something. Will you admit now that he had a mother? According to the scriptures, yes, Mary was his mother. But it's impossible for be a creator being, see, that created him. He had to have an actual contact with an earthly father, which you claim was Joseph or some other man. So that's exactly right. I said, no man could come here by a mother without having an actual earthly father. He said, that's correct. I said, then how did the first man get here? Let it be monkey, tadpole, or whatever he might be. He had to have a papa and a mama both according to your Satan. He's never answered me to this day. <laughs> That's right. See, you have to believe that he is. I said, Brother, your ideas are thinner than a broth made out of a shattered chicken to starve to death. I said, you, you just haven't got nothing to stand on. Oh, that's wrong. And now the man is a staunch Christian. Loves the Lord Jesus, led him to Christ about two or three days after that. They know a bed one night about one o'clock when he looked at the stars hanging out above him. Now, you see, you have to know God. God's in his nature working. How could that flower there, what would make that flower yellow and the next one white and the next one blue? How did the dime come up again? How does God move this great side? Did you ever stand and watch the sun go down and something come over you and just cry? I did that a many times. Here some time ago, I was speaking somewhere, a few days ago I was telling about it. I hope it wasn't here. But anyhow, I was hunting elk one fall way up the top of the mountain. And it was cold up there. And, and the fall of the year, the rains come and then the sun comes and then the 
the snow comes and melts it off. It's just stormy like. The elk herd was way high. I love the mountains. My, my mother's mother was a full-blooded Cherokee and in the Valley here. And it's my conversion never taken that away from me. I love nature because I see God in nature. How can a tree shed forth its leaves and, and all of its life run right down into the other house and live down here until winter's the past and come back up and produce leaves and apples and things again? God has to do it. Certainly anybody that's mentally right would know that. God's in his trees. God's in the sunset. God's in the little bean. How do you get air conditioned? Found it from a bean. I pack the pollen, goes in there. He only lives six weeks. His little wings flops back and forth all night long. He pours water, someone brings water, and he works himself to death. His little wings get brittle, he drops off, and the bird picks him up. Six weeks he is, is this normal life for a bee. And, it, and how that God moves to his nature and watching it, how he does it. Up there this year I was walking around and there was a... If you'll just look anywhere, you'll see God. If you'll just believe it. And up there on the mountain, I was going along not so much to hunt the elk and hang mine, no, just to get to myself, out of the meeting, get along, get the rifle in your hand, a pair of moccasins on, take off, hike 35, 40 miles a day through the snow cliffs and around just everywhere, be by yourself, be alone where you can stop and look around and see. Sit up on top of the mountain. Florida, I hope I don't hurt your feelings here in Florida. When I took my first visit to Florida and crossed the lines, I signed my part of it over to the Seminole Indians. All that that artificial makeup puts in the mind of a woman trying to be pretty with a lot of manufacture on her. That's a shame. Yes, sir, she's artificial. Get her on the washstand, she won't look that way. And that's what I think about Florida, all made up. And uh, that's, that's not nature. I like to look at the way God made it. We were here in the beginning, the great hills. Beautiful. That's the way God made it. And you look at God in the nature there, and you can see it. So one day, Walking along, it come up a storm, and I got behind a tree in an old blowdown, way up high because the elk herd had never come down yet. The storm hadn't been severe enough to run them down. It was dry down the bottom, it had to take stormy weather to run them down. So I got behind a tree and was standing right like this behind the tree till the storm blowed over. After the storm blowed over, it turned cold during the time of the storm when the twister went through. And I looked, and where the it all froze, where the water froze and icicles hang on the evergreens, you know, that it all froze over like chunks of ice, way back over into the western country, between the crevices of the rocks, the sun was setting. And I looked, and there formed a rainbow across the big valley there, where way high, I was probably 40, 50 miles from a living human being. And there, that great, beautiful rainbow. And I said, Oh, great Jehovah, how great you are. There is a sign that you'll never destroy the world with water. Rainbow means a promise. I looked at that and I went, Oh, God, surely you're up here in the mountains. How wonderful it is. Just then I heard something. I stopped as any hunter would. Listen, it was a bugle. And what was it? It was a bull elk. He was lost from the tribe. They began to bugle over here. The storm had separated him. And they were bugling one to another. Oh, my. As David said, the deep goes the calling to the deep. Way back over on the side of the mountain, the old gray wolf got the highland. The mate answered it down in the bottom. Now, you talk about a man crying. It'll make you. There's something about it. You learn it. There's something that moves. I stand there and say, oh, Jesus, son of God. How great you are. That's your great all-seen eye looking at. Everywhere you look, I can hear him in the elk herd. 
I can hear him in the timber walk. I can see him in the rainbow. Everywhere you look, you can see him. How beautiful it is to watch him. You have to get it in here first. A little boy in our country was used to me, he went to the church and he got to hear about what a great fellow God was. So he said, Mama, can any man see God? He's so great. She said, Ask the pastor, honey, how would you expect me to know? Well, she went, he went to the pastor and said, Pastor, said, could any man see God? He said, No, son, no. No man can see God and live. He went to the Sunday school teacher. She said, No, no one can see God and live. He loved nature. There's an island just above us called a Six Mile Island. An old man feasted up there, just gone to glory recently. Old white beard and white hair. One day the little boy came with him up the river, coming back down the river, come a rain, and the sun was going down in the west and causing a, a rainbow in the east as the old fisherman tipped along with these oars, tipping the water where only a boatman can appreciate nature. And when he began to tip them like that, the first thing you know, making a noise as he tipped along like that, he looked up, all the leaves was washed off from the dust in the midsummer. He seen the rainbow. He kept pulling again, his top his oars, and then tip as the boat sailed along. That's why the little boy sitting in the stern of the boat noticed on the old fisherman's face, tears rolling down his white beard. The little boy got all excited. He ran up to the middle of the boat, fell down the old fisherman's lap. He said, Sir, I'm going to ask you a question. My father could not answer. My pastor could not answer. My Sunday school could not answer. My mother could not answer. So what's that, Sonny? said, if God's so great, why can't we see him? He just pulled the oars in his lap and come as crying, put his arm around the little lad and said, Sonny, all I've seen for the past 40 years has been God. So much God in the old man's heart, you can see him everywhere you look. If you get him in here, you can see him out there. That's right. He'll use your eyes to look through. You'll not see harms and dangers and faults and things. You'll only see God wherever it is. I'll never stand out of the side of this tree to finish the story of that before we go to another subject. Stand out of the side of the tree. I was just a praising God. I lifted up my hands and started crying. You're, you'll probably call me a holy roller anyhow, so you might as well get used to it now. I ran around that tree just as hard as I could go, screaming at the top of my voice. While somebody came out and thought somebody was out of the insane institution. Or the Salvation Army was out in the woods. I was screaming and running and hollering as far as I could. I had to give vent to my feelings. God was all around me. There was an rainbow. There was a wolf. There was an elder. There was everywhere. As an old Jehovah. Oh, I love you. And around and around and around the tree I went again just as hard as I could. I looked out and seen the sun setting. I said, Oh, you're all seen. Ah. You watch it over me. There you are, howling out in the woods. There you are, giggling in the elk. Oh, you're everywhere, Jehovah. Around and around the tree, I went again. I couldn't help it. There was something in me called to worship. I was in his presence in the greatest cathedral I ever stood in my life. God's great cathedral. Here the pines come together, that whisper the pines saying, There's the land beyond the river. That they call the sweet forever. As it was singing like that, that pines were whispered, Oh, I thought that's right, Lord. Hallelujah, I said. That great land somewhere. And I was a worshiper, and I stopped. I was just having a great, big, old-fashioned jubilee by myself. But I didn't care who heard me. I was worshiping God. So I stopped looking at Oh, how wonderful. 
Now, begin to hear something. I lift over to Messiah. That's a little old pine squirrel. I don't know where you have it here or not. That's the noisiest thing in the world. And there I was sitting up there, that little tail curl up, going, tap, 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 and he jumped up there, looked at me with them big gray eyes, looked back at that little pine squirrel. I thought, now, God, you're in the wolf. You're in the elk. You're in the sunset. You're in the wind. You're in the trees. You're in the rainbow. What did you break this up for? Now, what, what that, what's, what's in that eagle? Uh, what, what's that pine squirrel got to do with it? Me here worshiping you, and something like that happened. I looked at this big eagle. I thought, well, what makes him so brave? I thought, say, fella, are you scared? Yes, I seen you wasn't scared. I thought, there's God right there. God's not a coward. He can't use cowards. He's afraid to testify your healing or your salvation. He can't use you. You're no good. See? He's got somebody's got a backbone in him to stand up and say, right, right, wrong's wrong. That's the kind of people he can use. That's admired by anybody. That's admired among men by women. No matter how ugly she is or what she might be, he'll admire if she holds her place. Don't care what she is. Right. It's admired among any, among soldiers everywhere. It's among in God's army. How that God admires, like David, after his own heart. I've seen this old eagle sitting there. Well, I thought I'd admire you. But really, are you scared? I thought, you know, here such my rifle, I could shoot you. I wouldn't do it for nothing. So I said, you know, I could shoot you. That didn't bother me. I thought, I believe I'll just find out how he'll jump if he knows what that rifle is. I grabbed that rifle. When I grabbed the rifle, he looked at me like that. Not that big eyes, looked at me. But he wasn't worried about me. Looked like that little chipmunk was getting on his nerves, that little pine squirrel. Get that little tail curl up with, and I thought, I'm not a noisy little fella. Now I thought, why aren't you scared? What makes you not scared? Well, I happened to notice. He kept doing like this, though, with his wings. <laughs> That's what I did. See? God gave him two wings. That's God's provided way for him. He knew before I could get that rifle to my shoulders, he'd be in that brush. Hmm? He knew where he was standing, so he wasn't scared. And if God will give an eagle that much courage with two wings to go to safety, what would he do to a man to steal with the Holy Ghost? What has that to do? As long as he's present. I thought, that's right. So I thought, how did that power that little old pine squirrel listen to him? So he just made one big jump. Dropped his wings a couple times. He was out of bushes, out into the midair. And then I cried. He never flopped anymore. He never tried to drop his wings and get away. He just set his wings. And every time that air would come in, he just rode out and set his wings out in that air. And just lift him up. I watched him. So air come in, he lifted him up, lifted him up, until he was plumb out of sight, leaving that little pine squirrel sitting there, cursing and going on the way he was. I thought, that's it, Lord. Not a jump, jump here, run, run here, join the message, join the badness, come back this and be baptized this way, that way. That isn't it. It's just setting your wings of faith. In the humble days of the Holy Ghost comes in, right on. 
trying. Get away from this earthbound chatter, chatter. This can't happen, that can't happen. I said, Lord, that's it. That's it, friend. God is in his universe. He speaks out to his people. You believe that? Now, we'll have to hurry. We can stay on there for hours. God is in his word. You believe that? Every word of God is a seed. Jesus said so. The word is a seed. And what the seed is, it'll produce just exactly what the seed is. If you, in the Bible, he was called Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, and Jehovah Al-Banner, Jehovah Manasseh, all those redemptive things, all that was promises who Jehovah was. Every divine promise of God will come to pass if it's found in the right ground. Here's what happens. Here, many times people are noticing in the meeting, watching these tapes as they come back, through the lines of discernment. The people be saying that look like they're a million miles away. They don't even be, they don't think of something they're even thinking about healing. But it's not their intellects you're working, it's their subconscious to work. Your subconscious is your soul. Now, not long ago, to show you how perfect God's word is. The Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart. Is that right? So is it. The old-time infidel used to say, now, isn't that crazy? Well, there's no mental faculties in a man's heart. It's a little pump that pumps blood. He can't think in his heart. He thinks in his head. So the Bible is wrong, according to him. Last year, around about January last year, two years ago it is now, I was in Chicago, and a great big headlines in the paper that scientists found, listen to this, scientists found in the human heart there's a little compartment that doesn't even have a blood cell in it. It isn't in the animal, it's only in the human. And they think it's the occupant of the soul. So that a man does think from his heart, God was right. As a man, now here, see, in here you say, now let me see. Yes, that says that, but I wonder if that was for me. Mm, I just don't know where that was or not. That's reason. You can reason with this. That's reason preachers today. That they don't believe in divine healing. It's never their salvation has never come down in their heart. It's only in their head. They went to a seminary. We're in the whole of theology. You ought to forget it all and find Christ. How can you believe when there's nothing you need to believe with? It's only a middle theology. Just recently, we had a woman in Louisville, Kentucky, and she was a she was around a church there, a pretty good girl, but a, a big fine church, a Methodist church. I always thought that the girl didn't have wasn't right, but she married some old boy that was really a good Christian boy, full of the Holy Ghost. They went off and after they got married, her father was a deacon in that church, a fine man, spiritual man, and so she wandered around out in the country. And first thing you know, they took her off to his job called him to go to another city. When he went to another city, then he took a job there, and she, she's a pianist, so she became the pianist in that church. And come to find out, that Methodist church wasn't very spiritual. And uh, notice that all, majority of all the women smoked cigarettes. Shame on them. Biggest gift colony move the world's ever had. Wish they had time to dwell on Preachers will do that. Look, I've got my opinion of women who smoke cigarettes. And I sure have it. I had it when I was born, I've never changed it. Oh, that's the littlest thing you've ever done. That's the greatest harm to this nation and to motherhood that's ever been done. Statistics show that eight, that I'll be about 
they are 90% of them children is born. If a mother nurses them and don't give them, unless she gives them cow milk, she'll take nicotine poison, the baby will, and never live 18 months. Talk about a fifth colonist. Don't you worry about Russia coming over here and getting us. Russia ain't going to get us. It's her own rotten she's getting us. That's what it is. It ain't the rob and catch on the apple and hurts it. It's the worm at the core. That's exactly right. Well, that's, that's the other side. These preachers will tell you about that. But now, that's, what you need to do is the good old-fashioned house cleaning in the church. Right. Get back to your good old St. Paul's revival and the Bible of the Holy Ghost again. No wonder we're in the corruption that we are. Certainly is. Just steal the Holy Spirit. Make you push it out anyhow. Notice. And then all this. This girl, she started smoking too. She began to read. Well, if the other women could do it, do it well thought of. Why can't I do it? And begin to notice her neighbors, all of her sisters in the neighborhood, wore these little scandalous clothes. And of course, you know, you have to wear them out when the man's coming in from the, you know, from the factories and things. You just have to get out and show you. Uh, you don't, you don't appear before a man like that. You don't appear before God like that. You're doing it to appear before a man. And you mothers, you let your kids do that. You ought to have a good old-fashioned time of posterior protoplasm and stimulation added to you. That's exactly right. What we need today is some good old-fashioned mothers that would. I said, I got two girls. They may at least touch out one of them one time too to get a suntan. They'll get a suntan. It won't be messed up up there. I when Mr. Branham some of the bells that was a hard like to read them. They'll get a suntan in all right. Right. Be my father's son doing it too. Yes, sir. It's a shame how you let on the ball. You and Methodist Baptist and Pentecostal too. Really? Used to be wrong in the church, but now. Oh, the devil might have went out of fashion, but he didn't go out of business. I'll tell you that now. Hallelujah! I feel religious. Let me tell you, brother, what we need today is a good old fashioned taking the fire out of the furnace and put it on the altar again. Get it back out into the audience of the people and get the revival started. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. Right. Notice, there, she began to wear those little clothes. Her husband said, Dear, I don't need. Now she said, Look. If Susie and Ellen, all of them can wear them, why can't I? See? Right down in her soul, it said that's wrong. Conscience would tell you that. But what did she do? She went to her intellect to reason. Well, now, if the others can do it, why can't I do it? They're well thought of. They're all Christians. They go to church. Why can't I do it if they do it? Now, you see, the Bible commands us to cast down reason. See, that's why preachers don't believe in divine healing. That's why people don't believe in the supernatural. Only thing they got is intellectual reasoning. Listen, this soul in here is God, and God will agree with His word every time. He'll not reason; He'll believe it. And when you believe it from your heart, the Bible says you'll have it. That's what it is. You're trying to make reason take it. Why it's your heart that has to take it. First thing you know, she began to a little slicker move in the neighborhood with a barrel of grease on his hair and everything. He began to kiss her goodnight at the back fence and a little love affair. And first thing you know, she left poor John. Run off and married this little slicker. Didn't live together a little while, and he found one a little prettier than she was, so she, she ought to have sense enough to know that. He ran off and left her. Then she married another one. Then he ran off and left her. Then she had a common-law wife, a husband. But you know, the Bible said the soul that sinneth, that soul shall die. Death means separate. She's kept getting away from it farther, 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 and getting away from it. See, the first time that she started smoking, she ought to know the soul says that's wrong. Reason said, but the rest of them can do it, why can't I? When she put on those little ungodly clothes, nature itself would tell her that's wrong. 
But she says, the rest of them just talking. I see where I'm at, the women got you. I got your bed out there, San Angelo. Kind of, you're not long going wrong. So I had a sign up. American women, please put on some clothes before you come to respect the day. And a place like home. Shame on you. I may be burning you up. But my mama used to tell me, when I take cast oil, I can't stand it yesterday. Every Saturday night, the bathroom low, cedar tub, and then I take a dose of cast oil. We didn't have the right kind of food to eat, and so she, I, I said, Mama, I, I can't stand it. I hope it wasn't good. I said, it just makes me so sick, sir. So don't make your life getting sick, and don't do you no good. So maybe I'll try the same thing here. Get your life getting sick, and maybe it'll stir up your spiritual organ, gastronomic, so you can digest a good Holy Ghost dinner once in a while. Notice, let me tell you, then this woman, well, after a while, she got to a place to where she was, uh, uh, she got sick. She popped off a little while, and finally she went to the doctor. Her brother will catch up with you as sure as anything. They found out that she had an advanced malignancy. Nothing to do but die. The pastor of our church, Reverend Armand Neville, the Methodist church, he goes to see the woman. He said, I'll go and see her because I know Brother Branham knows her daddy, and I think he knows her. And I know she's living over that kind of a life that I'm going to see her and get her straightened up because that's what he'd tell her as soon as he got there and ask her if she wants to come over. She walked over and he said, being that we belong to the same church lady, I'll come to speak to you. She said, all right, what is it, mister? And he told her what, that your father and I are very good friends. We were both up there, uh, the pastor, we went to Asbury College together. He said, we're very good friends. But I just want to ask you something. He said, don't you want to straighten up your life and come back to Christ? She said, what? said, straighten up your life and come back to Christ. Well, she said, I'm just as good as you are. He said, that's not the, that's not the question. Don't you want to straighten up your life? She said, I belong to the church and I have since a child. I was on the cradle roll. And I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian, and when I die, I'll go to heaven. She actually believed that. Reason. And she said, I'm just as good as you are. said, you know, Brother Dan said, I've heard of him. said, I want him to come over and see him, said, I know as soon as he comes, he was going to call this thing to your hand. said, what thing? said, lady, this thing laying in this package of cigarettes. What about that? She said, well, you fanatic, I guess you think that's wrong. He said, I know it's wrong. She said, I never sent for you to come. He said, just a minute, lady. said, what about that common law husband? She said, the door that you come in at... Is ready for you to go out at. If I wanted somebody to have some sense to talk to me, I'd send for somebody and not you. So I said, all right, lady, just remember. If you come back and told me, when I come in and say, I want you to go there, I said, just watch her after you. When she come to die, her backslidden pastor standing out there, let her get by with such a doubt without telling her the truth. They was all in the room, and the first thing you know, her interruptions begin to fail, begin to break up. She couldn't think. Now the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Is that right? That means to separate. Death means separation. He that hears my words, please on him, and he has everlasting life. Can't die. See? But when you grieve that soul, it goes away from you. It done far away from her. Didn't talk to her no more. But when her intellects begin to break up, she said, then nothing left here. But the soul had to come back. Well, what, was, what condition was it in? See? When it walked up, it began to rebuke her. For the life she lived, she said, my God, I'm wrong. So the, the pastor said, oh, now, here, don't get hysterically. She said, I'm not hysterically. She said, don't get rid of me, I'll quit. 
said, here, 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 now, here. I'll call the intern. And the doctor come in. Give her a shot. She said, I'm, I'm lost. Give her another doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost. And the high post stopped the confession. But that soul that she grieves, she'll have to be tormented with it as long as there's an eternity to last. Be careful. You take God's word. God is in his word. Not sometimes theology, but in his word. Do you believe it? God is in his son. You believe that? You believe God is in the universe? You believe God is in his word? Now God is in his son. Now quickly we'll go. God is in his son. Now God is in Christ reconciled the world to himself. Here recently, a woman going to a certain church. I'm not making no right remarks. It's Christian science. But I don't mean to harm you. I don't talk about anybody's religion. But look. That woman said to me, she said, Reverend Bennett, there's one fault you have that you ought not to do. And I said, why? She said, you bled too much on Jesus. I said, I couldn't bled half enough for him. She said, you put too much emphasis on him on being deity. I said, he was deity. He was God. She said, oh, Reverend Branham. said, surely a man of your caliber ought to know better. I said, no, ma'am. I don't know any better. I hope I never know any different. But I do him out of my mind. She said, do you mean to tell me that he was divine? I said, he was divine. She said, he couldn't be divine. I said, he was divine. She said, oh, he was a great teacher. He was a prophet. I said, if he was a prophet and a great teacher, I lost everybody's lost. That blood was nothing but the bad blood of Almighty God. He was divine. She said, if I prove you the Bible, that he was not divine. Will you accept it? I said, if God's word said he wasn't divine, then I'll take back everything you said. He said, I'll prove it to you. I said, all right. She said, in St. John, the last chapter, yes. said, when he was going down to the village of Lazarus, I said, yes. The Bible said he wept. Well, I said, what's that got to do with it? said, that proved he wasn't divine. How could a divine man weep? said, he could not be divine, for he wept. I said, you failed to see it, lady. God was in Christ. Reconciled the world. He was a God-man. He was Emmanuel. He God was in him. Said, no, he couldn't be in weak. I said, let me want to ask you something. I said, he was a man when he walked to that grave of weeping. But when he stood there and straightened up them all stooped over shoulders, a man 30 looking 50, they said, no beauty we should design when he stole those little shoulders back and said, I have no resurrection. I said, what? He didn't believe that he'd only one death to tell you. Wait a minute. He did weep like a man. But when he straightened those little shores up and spoke to a man that had been dead four days, crushed into his body, crushed into its master, the soul of its creator, and a man that had been dead four days stood on the ground and lived again. That was more than a man. That was more than a man. That was God and his son. When he comes down off the hill that night hungry, looking around over that tree for some fruit and couldn't find any, he was hungry like a man. That's right. He was a man then. But when he took five biscuits and two little pieces and fed five thousand, that was more than a man. That was God in his son. Truly, he was a man. When he laid out on that little ship that night, did like a bottle stopper, tossed about him so tired, virtue and out of him to the waves that wake him up. Ten thousand devils in the sea swore and drowned him. Him laying back in the back of that boat, just pitching that away, and him laying on the pillar. That was a man laying on a sweet shore. But when 
Ghost, someday he's coming over where you say. God is in his son, you believe? Sure you are. God is in his universe. God is in his word. God is in his son. Now God's in his people, too. Amen, you believe? A coward or a bunch sneaking around the corner, locked themselves in an upper room, they've been with him for three years and six months. When they walked up there, they were scared of Jews. Jesus had told them, said, oh, wow, the world won't see me no more yet. I'll be with you to the end of the world. And when they locked themselves up and waited for the promise, they were a bunch of cowards. They had God on the outside. They know all the creeds and the formals and everything, but all of a sudden, God came down like a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house when they were saved. Something took place. Shame to yourself. Denying your own mother. 
She said, I don't know her. Calls her, look. She said, Martha, is this your mama? Said, no, I don't even know her. Conductor said, be ashamed of you. So look here, girl, I want to tell you something. And the crowds begin to listen. Said one, you're a beautiful woman today. That's right. Said, you are. But said, your mother was a lot more beautiful woman than you were, or ever will be. And said, one day when she's out in the backyard hanging up the clothes, said, I lived on the same block. And said, the house caught fire. You was a little baby upstairs in your crib. And when the fire engine came and the mother seemed to stop in front of her house where the neighbors had called, away she went, but the stairs was just about ready to fall in. She said, that mother, not thinking for her, jumped through those blazes and the fireman grabbed at her. She went through the blazes anyhow. And she ran in there and grabbed you on the, off the bed, jerked the clothes there she had on her body and rolled them around to her face and things. And she braved that fire blaze right back out to that it burned her, it scorched her, it willed her down. And the day because you're pretty, she was made ugly. And you mean to tell me you deny that woman that saved your life and your beauty that you're ashamed about now because of your mother, that you do that? When that story was told to me, I thought, oh God, how could I, though the old rugged cross so despised by the world, when I see the Christ became sin that I thought his righteousness might become a part of him. How must I truly call me a holy roller? How must I truly call me a divine healer? Whatever they want to, he came down and was made ugly and sinful. That by his righteousness, I might have a home in heaven the right to be the son of the living God and to believe on him. How it is, he became me that I, by his grace, might become him. He taken my place as a sinner, as me as a sinner might take his place as righteousness. How could we deny him? Sure. Create around you love. Who could deny this great love? Listen just a moment. What a great love is. Love will conquer. Or hate and malice and creed, debate and fuss will drive away. Love will conquer. Shh, we'll tell you something else. He'll give you some of the heart inside life. Just a minute or two and then we'll go to, we'll go to start the prayer. we got just about maybe six or eight minutes. Look, just a minute. Here a few days ago, I was showing someone. The house had been full all the day. People everywhere. The babies couldn't even eat. Nothing. And finally, when the house got emptied up, and somebody come in and just had the people to go, coming from not one place all over the world. Signs on the gates everywhere else don't come in. They come in. You can't blame them. They're human beings. They won't help. But I'm not there for just a few hours at a time. The family's estranged to me almost. I went in and sure stood my dear beloved wife in the corner crying. There stood Sarah and Rebecca fighting over some blocks in the next room. Little Joseph screaming at the top of his voice. The last one had left. Billy and Emma come up and got them all out. Brother Woods and my neighbors and then. So I sat there. I thought, what is all nervous and upset? I thought, Heavenly Father, we got to make this situation here different. So I walked toward her. She said, Billy. Honey, what am I going to do? So I'm losing my mind. All day long, that pounding and everybody in here. People saying, if you don't come to this city, they don't got it. You advertise that you're going to be cursed by God if you don't. I said, honey, that's fanatic. If God wants me going, where you tell me? And I said, I'm going to speak in terms with him. And I said, if he wants to go, don't pay no attention to them things. And I said, we have fanaticism and everything, and saying this, that, and the other. And she was crying, and I got talked to her. I said, but you know, honey, I've seen a prettiest little dress in a certain city, you know. And first thing you know, she was peeling potatoes. 
She's all quiet now. When she's quieting, the children's quieting. Joseph's quieting. All right. See, you have to change the situation. You can do it. Let me tell you something. This is a little inside. You, you may judge me wrong after this. When I was game board, and I've had this to happen many times, you heard me speak about being in the mountains. See, out in the mountains with wildlife. Now there's something about it. He has to know the Creator. Now, wild animals will hurt you if you're afraid of them. But if you're not afraid of them and you love them, they won't hurt you. You can't bluff it now. You can't. You got to really mean it. I walk face to face with grizzly bears, and African lions, and everything else. That's right. They won't hurt you if you're not afraid. But there's something about you. Your body puts out. A, your nerves puts out an odor. Did you ever see a dog? You. Don't try to bluff him. He knows where you're afraid or not. He does. If you're afraid, he'll bite you. If you're not afraid, I've never seen one yet. Want to walk in, pet him, walk on through the yard. See? If you're not afraid of him, they know it. Here, one day I was down at the bottom of the hill, turning some fish loose. I was in the conservation. We're supposed to wear a pistol, but I didn't want no pistol. I talked to a man. I think he'd make a better guy out of him. We could rest him anyhow. So then we've got to turn loose some fish. And I remembered across the hill, I had an old friend over there that was dying or very sick. I thought I'd walk over and see him. I just closed up the truck door and started walking across the field, walked up over it. It ain't like here. There's just some little shrubs out the field. And when I walked right out there and got in the middle of the field, uh, behind those shrubs, I didn't notice. But there, about six weeks before then, a great big Durham bull had killed a colored man. Now, here's a killer, Longhorn. He got the Burke's farm, he killed him. So this was up at another farm that sold him because he was a fine breed of bull. But when he was, that bull really got up in the field, I forgot about him being in there. And there he was, not over 20 spaces from him. He raised up and looked at me. He let out a roar and stole them horns in the ground like that. I looked back to the fence, I could not run him. There was no tree to get into. What could I do? I was in the same spot like I was with that maniac he was reading in the book. What could I do? Now listen, you can't fake it, it has to happen. Now listen close. But somehow or another, something happened in my heart. Instead of being scared, I loved him. That sounds juvenile, but that's true. I thought, poor fellow, he wasn't sleeping. I disturbed him. And here he comes, throwing his horns down like that. And he, Hit on his knees and throw his horns again, twisting his tail, and here he comes. Well, instead of being afraid, I wasn't more afraid of that bull than I am my, my brother sitting here on the platform. He'd come right to, if you could ever get that. Wish I could live in that all the time. But here he comes. He come right straight to me, and I said, Now, I am sorry I disturbed you. You are a creation of God. I am a servant of the Creator, Jesus. I'm on my road over to see his servant that's sick. I must go pray for him. I'm sorry I disturbed you. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, go back and lay down. I won't bother you. We'll go on by. And that bull with his head down here, he come making a charge. Well, we'll have to meet. I don't know what you think about it. But I can only state thanks. That bull got within about five foot of me. This is, and I wasn't more scared. I thought, poor fellow, I'm sorry I disturbed you. I come on his ground. And he run right straight to me and he stopped. And he looked so depleted. He looked this way, looked that way, turned around, 
walked over and laid down. I stood there, walked by him, was in five foot of him like that. He looked up at me, walked over, got through the fence, and I had to get him shaken. What was it? God. It had killed me. The same God that could stop a lion. Sent that angel of fire, that light standing between Daniel and the animal sphere of life. That other angel standing there, sure. What happened? The lion went over and laid down. The same God that lived in Daniel's days is the same God today. He could stop a lion, could stop the bull. My grass was growing up in the yard last summer. I was mowing out there, and I'd have to make a couple rounds and change my overalls, come in, pray for the sick, and go back out. He'd grow up in the front yard before he'd get to the back. Now listen. I got back in the backyard. I took off my shirt. Nobody back there, just way back in, behind the place. And I was just pushing as hard as I could with this little old power mower, and it was bang, bang, bang. I forgot about a big nest of harness hanging in the corner, and I rammed this lawn mower into that. And in a minute, I was coming over and breaking your harness are great big fellows. They'll not be kill you. And here I was with no shirt on and covered over with harness around like that. Now, instead, something happened again. Instead of being afraid, I wasn't afraid. And I thought, now I disturbed them. Isn't it a shame? And I said, now, little creatures of God, I am the servant of God. I am mowing this grass. I've got to hurry because God's sick children are coming in to be prayed for. And I've got to hurry. I'm sorry I disturbed you. I'm sorry. Now, in Jesus' name, you go back to your nest. I won't bother you. God, who is my solemn judge of this Bible in here, them horns whirled around me. I just stood there. They made one single fire like that. It went right straight back into the nest. That's all. I, I've seen it happen many times. Here, Leo and Jean, they're sitting right here behind me now. They're kind of student ministers. They were sitting on the porch last summer. And we're closing. About 10 o'clock in the morning, was it, boy? Around 10 o'clock in the morning. Sitting there, I was talking to them about a colored girl. Her picture's in the paper. She took her baby, a lovely-looking woman, and took her baby and smothered it in a blanket and took it out on the bridge in the taxi cab and dropped it off in the water. They caught it. And I said, that was not a mother. That's a female. Not a mother. A mother wouldn't do that. And while, here come the milkman up, bringing the milk. Mr. Woods, he'll be with me in the next meeting. His wife's a vet here, so they, their boy had been crippled with a drawn-up leg. He was a Jehovah Witness. She was a Methodist. They brought him to the meeting. was sitting way back. Hundreds of thousands of people in there at... Um, what was that meeting called? Where? No. The one with David Woods is here. No, it's up here where that big lake is. Um, Oh, I'll get it in a few minutes. <laughs> Anyhow, it's up here on the Great Lake. And uh, he was sitting way back in the meeting. And the Holy Spirit came over and said, You're a contractor. You're a Jehovah Witness. Your wife values the Methodist. She has a tumor sticking out. You got a boy with you that's got her drawn up leg from polio. But thus saith the Lord, you're healed. See? And she sat there a little bit. Did he get a look? She said, Thanks to her husband. You're at the next meeting. You're testifying. Sit up here. And this was smooth. said, David, stand up. There he was, just as normal. He's my boy's buddy here now. So they just, he quit contracting. She quit in the bed near. They moved over and lived over neighbors to me. They were standing in the yard. And Gene and Leo. And down the road come a possum. You, know, you have possums up here, don't you? Oh, possum. Now, anyone knows that knows conservation, a possum is blind in the daytime. He's a night prowler. Here he come down the road, come past three or four houses that didn't have no fences, turn right in mine with a fence or rock wall, and come right up to meet me. I said, there comes a possum. He's got rabies. 
I said, I better go out and stop it. Mr. Woods has been raking in the yard, so I took the rake and laid over it. I called Gene and Leo out there, and they all come out and looked at the possum. I said, look at him. And I happened to notice he didn't have rabies, but his left shoulder here was all chewed up. The dogs had got a hold of it. Now, this is bad to say, but gangrene had set in and maggots had bloated, and that leg was broke to pieces and she dragged it like this. I said, look at that poor thing. I said, that's what caused it to be that way. And usually they'll play possum when you touch them, but she's just a fighting to get up from there. And as I noticed, she, now there's only two animals that have pockets. That's the kangaroo and a possum where they pack their little ones. And her nerves went out and that little pocket come open and she had nine little naked babies about that long. Little possums. And I said, look at there, boys. I said, come here. That possum is more of a mother than that colored girl was. I said, that colored girl was a healthy baby so she could keep running around. She grounded her baby, and this old mother possum's got about 20 minutes longer, half hours at most to live, and she'll spend that 20 minutes fighting for her baby. Yes, sir. I said, God, God's with that possum. Now I said, you look at there. Ain't that something? So I raised up, all of them come out there and looked at her, and as soon as I raised her up, she started right straight towards my door. And when she got right in front of my door, there in a hot sun in July, she exhausted and fell over. Mr. Wood said, that's all of it. And I said, yeah, I guess she died. I said, what a shame. Went up there, she was just unrelaxed like that, and the little babies were circling that from her. And I kept punching with a stick. I said, I wonder if she is dead. And I punched her. said, yeah, look at that leg turn all the way back like that. I said, isn't that a pity, that poor old mother? How she wanted to live for that baby. Now look, the little babies just up pulling in a nursing, little bitty naked fellows about like that. And I, I said, isn't that too bad? Now punch her. I said, she's alive. Look at her. Comes a little green like on her chin like that. I said, I believe she's alive. And uh, uh, Mrs. Wood said, well, Brother Brandon, said, now the only thing to do, said, just take, uh, is, is go ahead and kill her. And, um, and take those little fellows and kill them. Said, because you can't raise them. You've got a little round mouth. But they, they have to, and they'll just, that old blood, uh, milk from the mother and her dad, said, it'll die a horrible death. I said, but I, I can't do it. And they said, well, my let Banks do it then. I said, huh? I, I just can't do it. I said, think that poor mother fighting for her baby. Wanting to live. And she said, well, said, said, you're a hunter. Go and get one of your guns and shoot him. If you don't want it, she want me to throw him on the ground and kill him. And I said, I'm a hunter, but I'm not a killer. I said, I can't kill him. She said, well, you don't mean to tell me you go let them lay down and die like that? The woman is right, of course. But I said, Sister Woods, I, I think a lot of you is my Christian sister. But I, I can't kill it, and I, I don't want anyone else killing it. She said, well, Brother Branham, you're doing wrong, Sonny. She said, that, that possum said that poor little thing will die. Laying down, what a death they'll die. I said, that may be right, but I just can't kill it. So I went on. That afternoon, late come. She laid there. We poured water on her. We got everything. She never did come to me. Just laid there. Mr. Woods come up and got me. So we went riding. Said, I've been going all day, Brother Brandon. Got to get out tonight. So we ride around a while. We come in about 11 o'clock. And there the old possum was laying there, still stretched out, dew all over. And poor little baby still nursing with her. And he said, if she'd ever move when that sun went out, she'd have left. You know that too. You're hunters. And said she would have left when that sun went down, because that's when they started. Said she'll never move, Brother Van. So won't you kill her? And I said, No. Billy come in from the fishing about about twelve thirty. No possum is still there. I thought about her all night. Now listen. The next morning I got up real early, went out there, and when I got out there, there lay the old possum still in there. 
I thought, oh my, what am I going to do with her? And little Rebecca, she's seen her first vision not long ago. There's coming a little girl. Now, of course, she's mine, but God is with her. So she go to a meeting, you get somebody on her, her, her heart, you start praying for him. It isn't five minutes till the Holy Ghost calls. That's right. See? And she, uh, she was there, she's looking down at this old, she said, Daddy, what are you going to do with that poor old mother possum? I said, I don't know, honey. Her pajamas on, mother and I hadn't got up yet. There's nobody out there, no on the, on the runway yet. And I said, Honey, I don't know what. He said, you go kill her, Daddy. And I said, no, honey, I just can't kill her somehow. I said, what you doing up at this time? You better get back in bed with Mommy. You better run on in there now. And she said, well, Daddy, I feel so sorry for that poor old mother. I said, I do too, honey, but she's dead. And he said, and I said, uh, with that little possum, I don't know what. He said, Are you, why don't you let Brother Woods kill her? And I said, no, I don't seem like doing this, sweetheart. I said, you run on back and get in bed. I went into the side door of my den room. I was sitting there with my hands right like this. I thought, what will I do with that possum today? I don't know. I don't know how you go to judge this. But somebody said to me, so what are you leaving her lay there for? I said, well, I, I don't know. I said, said well, said, I, I sent her here. You preached a sermon on her yesterday. I said, what a mother she was. I said, yes, that's right. I said, I sent her here to be prayed for, and she's laid at your door waiting her turn for 24 hours. You've never said a word to me about it. I said, well, I didn't. I said, who am I talking to? Have I gone crazy? I said, what's the matter? What? I sent her here. I said, God, sure, you know the animals? You know the sparrows? One can't fall without you? I said, forgive me, Father. If you had a mother possum, I've seen you do human beings that way, but never a possum. Would you send her here? And I went out there, and Becky was looking through the window. And I went out to where the old possum was. I looked at her, Becky come out. And I said, Heavenly Father, I got to meet this at the judgment. I said, Heavenly Father, has your servant been stupid enough not to know that you're in nature, that you're in animals, that you're everywhere? And how that confirms it, you knowing that you sent me to pray for people and you sent this possum up here? Well, this possum knows more about divine healing than a lot of preachers do. I said, you sent this dead animal? She ain't got a soul. She couldn't be led by no spirit. She hasn't got any soul. But she had to guide her by instinct. And you who made her. And she wants to live. To raise her baby. And you put her in my steps here and she's laid here for 24 hours? Forgive me, God. I said, then, Lord Jesus, if you put that possum here, then I pray that you'll heal her in the name of the Lord Jesus. You have to take my word. Well, I said that, that possum turned his head and looked at me, raised up from there, that leg just as normal as any other leg, picked her babies in her bosom, strutted down that road like that, got to the gate, that tail sticking up like that, turned around as if to say, thank you, sir, right down the road she went to the woods. Surely, if by instinct 
for. How much more can he a man and woman? Oh, God is in his universe. God is in his walls. God is in his burns. God is in his people. God is in his work. God is in his son. God is in his creation. And God is here today. God is in this building. You can't believe it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Oh, someday, when it's all over, we can sit down on the other side. Then we'll know as we're known. What stories we hear the patriarchs rise. Hear Daniel the prophets and hear all of them rise with their, the great things that you've done. How we'll shake each other's hands and rejoice and look upon a throne and him who sits there. And know that through his goodness all things were made. My mind goes back today to many things to poor, illiterate people. How that you've moved with great compassion and done great signs and wonders and with the animals and everywhere looking around seeing you. Oh God, move back that little veil from off of people's hearts today. Move back that intellectual thing that makes them want to hold on to some creed and let them open up their soul and heart and see Jesus. Standing near with outstretched arms. Behold, I'll stand at the door and knock of any man. Will open, I'll come in and sup with him. Ask the Father what you will in my name. Anything you desire, I'll give it to you. If you abide me in my words and you, ask what you will, it'll be done. Show us the Father and it suffices us. Oh, God, just look at you. You're everywhere. You're right here moving in among these people. Sit and cry a while. Then raise your hands and shout a while. Then sit and drink in a while. The great fountain is open today. I pray that each sinner will plunge. And you who could lead a possum, you know the story, Lord. You know how that same little story swept the world. And Father, I pray today, maybe that poor old possum's still over there with her babies happy because she was led by the Holy Spirit, laid and waited like a lady, and you healed her, saved her life so she could raise her baby. God, if you do that for a mother possum, what about a daughter of Israel? What about a daughter of Christ, son of Christ, a child of Christ? Let them, Lord, open their understanding. May you speak in a special way just now. While we ask that in Christ's name, amen. You're so lovely to talk to you. I'm sorry I talked that long. I didn't know I did. Forgive me. No, don't forgive me. I don't mean that. I have no apology for the word of God or testimony of Jesus Christ. Not a bit. I love you, and you love me. That's what makes us one. Jesus is here with his people. You believe that? Now, we're going to try. Did you give our prayer card? You did. What was it? Gene. How many? One, two, hundred. Boys, give our prayer cards. What did we call them? We didn't call it. We didn't call it. We didn't have prayer cards last night, did we? Night before last, what? We called. 
I'd be about 15, right? 85 to 100. Well, let's go back then. Let's call from one today then. Who has G number one? Raise up your And don't doubt. And you'll see the glory of God if you can believe. But you must believe. Just the lady. Excuse me. Come here. Someone wrote me a little note the other night and said, Brother Bram, what makes you rub your face so? Sometimes it feels like your lips are that thick. And you just subconsciously do it. But I want you to believe now with all your heart. I'm your brother. And I declare that Jesus Christ is in his universe, in his word, in his nature, in his animals, in his people. And he's here now. What more could he do? He's proved that he's here in the world. He's proved that he's here in the universe. He proves that he's here in his people. I would certainly be simple for you not to believe it. You won't have one thing to stand on at the day of judgment, but just have to walk up there and know that you're condemned and gone. Now, the lady standing here to me is a stranger to me. Is that right, lady? We're totally strange to one another. I don't know the woman. Now, isn't this a picture again of the well where our Lord Jesus stood and talked to a woman? Now, I want you to answer me so I can hear the response because I can't see too far back at this time. Please. Jesus stood and talked to a woman one time to find out what her trouble was. How many believe that in St. John 4? Say amen. And he talked to her long enough until he found where her trouble was, and he told her what her trouble was. And she said, Sir, you must be a prophet. How many knows that so say amen? She said, We know that when Messiah cometh, the Christ, he'll do these things. Tell us all things. But who are you? He said, I'm he that speaks to you. She knew that was the sign of the Messiah. And if Messiah is the same yesterday, today, and forever raised from the dead, wouldn't that be the sign of the Messiah this afternoon? If it is, say amen. amen. Now, now if, you, if you believe, now just his attitude to this woman will be just his attitude to you. Only if the human part becomes so weakened, it's a heavenly operation in the human part, so it just can't stand it, that's all. But now the lady, I think, look at her gray hair, perhaps a mother. Only God knows how many hard washings has went over that hand, how many times has wiped the tears from a little baby's cheeks and hold it up to your bosom and rock it. God only knows that. I don't. But lady, you're here for something. And would I be far from being a deceiver, for you are a believer, a Christian. And how would I stand here as a brother? Professor in this office in Christ. But what I, I know, sister, here's what he said when the angel met. If you get the people to believe you, I said I was born to pray for sick people. And I said, they, uh, sir, I'm uneducated. They won't believe you. Said by this they will. So now if you can get them to believe you and be sincere when you pray, nothing will stand before that prayer. So that now I'd be the last person to try to do something wrong, sister, if I know my heart. And that's why, looking here, I got to meet these people all in judgment someday. I got to meet you. 
And I was sure I would be home with my children this afternoon instead of up here trying to be a deceiver because what would happen to me? See? Um, I can only say the world's all educated and they don't believe it. No matter, Jesus said they wouldn't. He said a little while the world won't see me no more, yet you'll see me. It's got to be some yeast. Now, if he will take this poor, unworthy body of mine, this voice of mine, it's no good. Even everything I am, nothing good. But to fulfill his word that he said he would do it. If he now, by your faith, will come and dwell here with me, and will do the same thing here that he done to that woman at the well, and tell you where your trouble is, and what's wrong with you, will you believe on him with all your heart? Now, that's, that's just your word, you see, in my word. You're conscious, mother, that something's going on. See, between you and I is the angel of the Lord. Now, if the audience can hear me, the lady's moving. No, she's walking. I see her going somewhere. She's walking. No, she's in a house, moving through the room. She's real nervous. She's bothered with a nervous condition. She's wringing her hand. And she's trying to do something, picked up something by a window or something. And she's real nervous to doing it. She has to, I see the sun like it's going down and she's working out the window. And she gets real nervous and goes and sits down in a chair with her back towards the window. She gets nervous, especially at late of the evening. And I see her at a bathroom and she's got a lady's trouble. A female trouble that's causing her a great lot of pain and upset. That's the truth. And that you might know that I be God's prophet or servant. You're supposed to have an operation not long ago, and that was on a cyst, and that was on the left arm beneath your. Rose, there. There you are. Now, do you believe me? Do you believe him? Now, there's something here knows you. Is that right? Do you believe it's the Lord Jesus doing the same thing here? That in Jesus Christ's name, Satan, you who've done the evil, you're not afraid of me. I know that. But I come in the representative name. I come to represent him who stripped you of every authority you had. That's how be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He spoils you. You have no power. You're a bluff. And we're calling your hand. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of the woman. I adjure thee by the living God that you leave her. God bless you, ladies. Now on your road rejoicing and praising God. Amen. Let's say praise the Lord, everybody. Be ready. Have faith. I don't move around. Just be ready. Now, lady, look to me just a minute. Not what I mean by that, look on me. Like Peter and John passed through the gate called Beautiful. They said, look on us. Look on us. Not that they were anything, but that to see God in standing here, I see her at a table, 
And the table is, no, she's moving away from the table. She's got a stomach trouble. That's right. And she doesn't know what it is. She's kind of upset about it. She thinks it's the growth that's doing it. That's right. Now, do you believe that he's here? Do you believe if I pray for you, the angel of God said these things would take place, the Bible said they would take place, here he is in his people, in his universe, if he's standing here and he promised to do it, wouldn't you believe it? Come here. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, I take this curse off of the woman in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, sure. Thank you, that's right. It's gone from you. There's no more growth. It's gone. Hey, friends, if you could ask, how'd you know I should go to bed? Examine the doctor and find out if that's right. She's just waking up to herself. She was so caught in the spirit. That's what made her feel that way. What's enough to make her shout? dissolve and left out of it, you'd feel happy too. Now be reverent. Now just, when I mean say be reverent, I don't mean don't praise him. My God wants to be praised. He, 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 he wants to be worshipped. But what I mean, don't stir around. Sit still. See? You cause an interruption. See? Now here's the lady. Strange to me, I don't know her, never seen her. You're totally stranger to me. Praise be to God. Yes, sister, you were the ones praying, wasn't you? That blood condition you got? How be sitting there with a heart trouble? Your faith is saved you. Uh-huh. Oh, 
sitting up there. You believe Jesus make you well? Can you accept it? You're there still up there at night, nervous, sitting up there, looking at me. Yes, brother. See, the man lost his healing right there. See? It moved away and turned dark around him again. See? They catch it. You got the answer. When the Holy Ghost is speaking at you, answer. Sure, He wants you to answer Him. It's your faith answering to the response of the Word. Just turning light around the man, I tried to get his attention. He's somewhere sitting in there. They left him again, went away. I called him, pointed right to him. It turned dark around the man, and the vision left me. Went back to him. You gotta believe. You can't bless God, and you can't bless Satan. You gotta know that God has the premise. He's God. Maybe I'll try to keep to the platform here. Now believe, lady. Was you just called just now, lady? Was it diabetes? Got diabetes too, don't you, sir? Standing in the row down there. Right? Something wrong with your ears, too, don't you? Quit smoking them cigars. You smoke cigars, you shouldn't do it. Come on in. Have faith in God. Oh, hallelujah. Something what? right. I don't know you. Christ knows you. I don't. But I see a young man. And he's walking over. He's staggering. It's your boy. He's an alcoholic. That's thus saith the Spirit. You're here to stand in his stead. That's the truth. Oh, Jesus. Being a parent myself, God be merciful and grant this woman her request. May her faith not fail. May she see this boy saved, filled with your spirit. I ask this for God's glory in the name of his son, Jesus. Amen. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Do you believe? Have faith. Have faith. Don't doubt.
sense of spirit going to that lady. <clears throat> lady, your trouble's thyroid gland. You're looking at me like that. Sure. Someone say, sure, she looks heavy, said to be thyroid, don't nice and carry. Say, how about the lady next to you? Lay your hand over on the lady next to you there. No, the heavy, there, lay your hand over. Look this way, lady. You've got throat trouble, don't you? That's right. Raise up your hand if that's right. So you see. All right. See that spirit moving? How do you do, sir? You believe with all your heart? Look this way just a moment. You've been in a hospital. I see him with you opened up in the front part this way. And they were taking your stomach and cutting a big portion of it out. That's your trouble. You're extremely nervous. That's right. And you're a preacher of the gospel. And another thing. You're wanting to be prayed for. You have an impediment of speech. I see you trying to say something. Can you say it? It's caused by a nervous condition. That's what caused your stomach trouble. That's thus saith the Lord. He don't want to believe it. He don't want to believe it. He don't want to believe it. He don't want can believe. All things are possible. Just have to. God will bless. The Bible said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Y'all feel happy about that, sir, sitting out on the end of the road? You do? Feel real happy because that man was healed? You do? You have poor circulation, don't you, sir? <laughs> right. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be that happy? Sure, you can too. <laughs> Boy, you're all rejoiced and praising God. Underwood, God can make you well. Do you believe that? Yes. Uh, that's who you are. 
That's right. And you got a kidney floating on the right kidney on the right side. That's exactly. Return back home and say, praise the Lord. And Stand up. Stand up. What the door? Stomach trouble. Everybody's stomach trouble. Stand up. 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 Stand up.